0: Saw on my phone today that we're supposed to get some thunder and lightning about 11 o'clock or so. So if you hear that, it's just an amen to the sermon. Okay, it's just God saying, "Well done." Um, if it's lightning that strikes me, then you know that um, that wasn't necessarily true. <laughs> I remember way back when I was a freshman in high school, I um joined the high school football team. And one of the things we had to do before we could go to practice is that we had to, all of us, have a physical. Um, And they had it all together. We just had one night where we all got to go and have a physical. And I'd never had a physical before. But um, I showed up with all my teammates, we stood in line, and there were three or four little curtained areas that we would go into. And um, I remember walking into that little curtained area, and the doctor was there and said, how you feeling? I said, okay. And he took my temperature, and he listened to my heart, and he said, okay you're done. That wasn't very painful. So I left, and uh, that was my physical, and I got to play football. Um, Many years have gone by, and I remembered when I was about, I don't know, 45, 50, And uh, I went to see the doctor uh, for some little ailment. And the doctor asked me, "Um, have you had a physical lately? And I said, well, not since I was a freshman in high school. He goes, well, I think you need to sign up for a physical. I said, okay. So I made an appointment for a physical. Walked in the doctor's little exam room, and they hand me this little apron type thing. That's the best that I can explain it. Some of you had the joy of wearing one of those. And he said, take your clothes off and put this on. And I said, this is not like my football physical at all. (laughs) Well, many of you have been there, so I'm not going to go into detail. Um, But they, the doctor checked a lot of things. We must have been there for an hour. And then he said, looks, looks like you're okay. So, oh, got dressed and, and left. And um, I realized that was what I had done to me when I was a freshman really a physical? Really didn't check much of anything. At least I learned that when I was 45 or 50. And we kind of expect that when we go to the doctor for any reason, but especially for a physical, that you just don't walk into the doctor, sit in the chair, they take your temperature, listen to your heart and say, there you go, you're okay. No, we want to, we expect, we may not enjoy it, but we expect that the doctor is gonna poke and prod a little bit. They are going to ask questions. Um, They are gonna knock on your knees and Check your reflexes and uh, your touch, and well, we check all sorts of things. And that's what we expect. That's a good thing. We need physicals, it helps us know how we are really doing. In many ways, as a church, over the last almost nine months, we've been having a physical. It wasn't just me coming in and saying to the church or to the leadership, how do you feel? And then maybe ask them, do you read the Bible? Do you pray? And they would say, yeah. And I said, well, then you're all right. You're good. And I would toddle off back to home. But no, really, when I was called here, when Linda and I were called here, we came to give the church a physical, to see how healthy the church is, how strong it is. Is there something that needs to be fixed, a bone that needs to be set, or a a pill, maybe, that needs to take place, or an exercise program that needs to be started? Over the last couple of weeks, and including this week and next week, Lord Willing, we've been talking about the indicators of a healthy church. The first week, we looked at um, passionate spirituality and inspiring worship. We've said that the churches that uh, are good in these eight uh, healthy indicators are churches that um, are themselves healthy and ministering effectively. doesn't matter how large they are, how small they are. doesn't matter if they're in big cities or little cities, but these things are just evident in churches that are healthy. So we talked about passionate spirituality and inspiring worship. Last week, we talked about having loving relationships and that there would be... Um, Holistic small groups that were ministering to the breadth of of the person. This week, I want us to focus on the indicators of a a gift, we could say spiritual gift, spiritual gift-based ministry, and a need-oriented evangelism. Two indicators that we have sought to measure in the life of Bethesda. And if there is a place where we need some upbuilding over the next few months, we are going to begin to work on those things so that we can be the church that God wants us to be. So today we're looking at those two, and next week we'll look at um, the indicators of being able to empower people to leadership. And then having in place those structures that helps the church work smoothly. So, anyway, let's look at that gift based ministry and that need oriented evangelism. If you have a copy of the scriptures, uh, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. Matthew chapter 14. Verse 13. A familiar story for many. Now when Jesus heard this, that is he heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there. He was in grief. He needed some time to sort things out. And he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. He needed some quiet time with God. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. So Jesus goes across the lake in a boat. The people in the villages around the lake hear where Jesus has gone, and they go to find him. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. No quiet time for Jesus. And he had compassion on them and healed her sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away into the villages to buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. The disciples said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave the disciples, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. They took up twelve baskets full of broken feet pieces left over, and those who ate were about five thousand men, besides the women and children. One of those miracles that you write home about. I guess it's kind of like that bag of chips that just would never end. Chips would just keep on coming. Little, I'm gonna pick on her, not gonna pick on her a little bit, but little Josie came in to see me this week. She's good about coming into office. And we she's just a delight to talk with. And we talked about this passage a little bit, and it sounds good in the Bible. So I said, can you imagine? Um, if your dad took you to McDonald's, to which she replied, we don't go to McDonald's. The last time we went to McDonald's, we sat in the car, and we went to one window and ordered there, and they sent us to the next window, who sent us to the next window, and finally those people at that window told us to go park, and they'd bring the food out. And about 20 minutes later or so, we got the food. So she doesn't have very fond memories of McDonald's, but I said, well, just go with me on this one. Dad bought you, uh, took you to McDonald's and brings a bag on the table and sets it down and says, here's your lunch. And she opens the bag and sees one of those small little McDonald's hamburgers. So she reaches in and takes it out and eats it. And still being hungry, she looks into the bag to see if maybe there are some fries at the bottom of the bag. But she looks in the bag and there's another hamburger. So she takes it out and eats it. She looks in the bag again and there's another hamburger. So she gives this to her brother. And she does this over and over and over again till the family is well-fed, and the people sitting in the chairs in McDonald's are well-fed, and the bag just... Hamburgers are just in there. And when everybody's fed, there's still hamburgers for the whole family. I think I would be a little amazed at that. Sometimes we look at God's word and say, yeah, that's then. But God doesn't do that now. It sounds amazing because it was in the Bible, but what if it really happened to you? That God would just continue to give and give and give and give and give give some more that you have lots left over. I think God is in the business of doing that. If we're in the business to receive what God wants to do. So, first of all, we see in this passage that Jesus is motivated by compassion It says he had compassion on these people, and so he healed them. His compassion moved him to take care of the needs, the needs of the people that were crushing in around him. That mark of compassion is what we read about about God in Exodus 33, where God is giving his name to to Moses, and he says, I'm going to... Give you my name, and he says, the I am, the I am, one of full of compassion, who blesses to a thousand generations. Jesus' compassion was that same compassion of God because Jesus is God. His compassion moved him. And that's important for us as the church, too, that we would pray for compassion. That we would see the needs of people around us. And we would seek to meet those needs. That we would bring healing. We pray for people to be healed but there's also things that we can do to bring healing to them. Meeting those needs. Jesus had compassion. And out of his compassion he did meet those needs not only to heal but he tells his disciples that they are going to feed him them his need meeting evangelism healed the sick and fed the hungry That's what need-oriented evangelism does. It doesn't just bring people into a building and preach the gospel to them and have them come forward to receive Christ, but it goes outside the walls of the church and ministers to the actual felt needs of individuals. The reality is, brothers and sisters, that there is going to be less and less and less people darkening the doors of churches, unless the churches leave the building and minister to the needs. We can put up one of those fancy lit signs, you know, change colors and all that kind of stuff. People see those in front of the realtor's office, so it's no big thing. We've got great music here for worship, but most of the people out there don't care. They're not looking for that. In fact, they're never gonna know because they're not gonna come in the doors. Well, we need to be like Jesus and see the needs of the people and meet those needs. And it's interesting that Jesus says to the disciples, they don't need to go away. You feed them. Of course, the disciple says, "Uh, we really don't have much to offer here, Jesus. There's 5,000 plus people here, and we've got five loaves and two fish. And I'm not good in math, I'm sure Peter would say, but I don't think this is going to cut it. I mean, even if we cut it, it's not going to go very far. But Jesus says to the disciples, You feed them. And even though they didn't have anything really to offer, they were obedient to Jesus. They used the gifts that they had, they brought those gifts to Jesus, even though they seemed incredibly small. It's for us today, it's having that gift based ministry that says, What has God given to me, as incredibly small as it may seem, and I'm going to give it back to Him to use in some way that's beyond my comprehension? When the, one of the greatest mission movements in history started with a group of disciples huddled together in a room praying. And if you do your homework with missions, you will find that many of the big missions that we have going out across the world started with a few people in a room praying. There was a mission group that met on a farmland and they met by a haystack and they prayed. And God blew the doors off because they brought the little bit that they had, the little faith that they had, and they gave it to God. Jesus says, bring it to me. We need to realize that, first of all, where who gave the bread and the fish to begin with? It was God who gave the bread and the fish. Somewhere, God is providing. He has gifted you. We took a spiritual gift survey a number of months ago, and a number of you filled that out. And we uh, took all those things, and we've put it in the church computer database. And when we have a need, we can search by certain gifts and your name may pop up and we um, will contact you because we have a need and you have a gift. And your response is not to be, well, I don't know. No, it's to bring it to Jesus. And you don't know what Jesus is going to do with it. The disciples did not know what Jesus was going to do with the five loaves and two fish, but Jesus did. And he prayed. And he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples went and kept giving and giving and giving and giving. I could just see the crowd sitting down and the disciples standing up, walking amongst the crowds. And every, time, every so often, the disciple turns and looks across the crowd, sees one of his fellow disciples and kind of goes, I don't know, we just keep giving, you know? Is your basket empty? No, my basket's not empty. And they just keep giving and giving and giving and giving. And when all the people had been, notice what it says, not just being given a little bit, but they are satisfied Their tummies are filled up. They collected 12 baskets. How many disciples? Probably 12. A basket for each filled. We um, are called to meet the needs of people. We are called to use that which God has given to us. And it's maybe not just spiritual gifts, but it's uh, material gifts. It's, it's skills that you have to offer, not just the body of Christ, but the, the world out there. Maybe you're a... Maybe you're a good cook and you could cook meals for people who need meals. Maybe you are good at fixing cars and you could make it known that uh, we'll come and fix your car. Won't charge you anything, we'll just fix your car. We use our skills and our talents and our spiritual gifts, things that God has given us. for his glory, and to bring people to the kingdom, bring people to Jesus. We need to realize that when we reach outside the walls of the church and when we use the gifts that we have been given, Jesus has a wonderful way of multiplying the effectiveness of what we give. That's the way Jesus works. And there is a real blessing, I believe, that comes from surrendering yourself to Jesus, your gifts, and going out and doing the kingdom work outside the walls of the church. There's a real blessing that comes upon you when you serve alongside Jesus. Jesus. This is not scriptural, biblical, but I can picture in my mind that we gathered together in Jesus' name today, and the scriptures do tell us that when two or three or more are gathered in the name of Jesus, that he is there in some unique way. The, The body of Christ is the body of Christ, and we minister to one another, but sometimes I can just see Jesus here, and then, when the sermon is done and the last song is sung and the benediction is done, we see Jesus heading out the door. Worship service is over, he's got work to do. And too often we just stand around and talk and say, We'll see you next week. I think we need to walk out the door with Jesus and join him in the work that he's doing, using the gifts that he has given us to meet the needs of people in our community. And when we do that, we are salt and light. We are that which God calls us to be, that Jesus says that we already are. We do the work of the kingdom, and when we do the work of the kingdom, God is glorified and People come to him. So, challenge for the day. What gifts has God given you? Spiritual gifts, material gifts, talents, skills. How can you best use that for the kingdom? What are the needs of the people of Huron and the surrounding areas? How can we, as a church, as the body of Christ, reach out and touch those needs with Christ's love? We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is bethesdamb.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy.org dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.